Do you want to know how to build a business, but also take care of all areas of your life? Well, this episode is definitely for you. So as an entrepreneurial father, and now we're focusing on entrepreneurial fathers, remember that, then I brought today the one and only and the person that actually helped me niche down and build this personal brand to what it is today, one of my dearest mentors, Chris Ducker. Chris is a best-selling author, a seven-figure self-made businessman, has an incredible family, a father of four, an incredible husband. This guy is just amazing. And he's one of the people that I just most appreciate in life. So it took me a while to get him here. And the only reason is, is because I waited till the right moment to ask him to come on the show. I said, I got to have at least 100 episodes before I get Chris Ducker in. So everybody, I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is full packed with like value. Uh, we got some business lessons from Bruce Lee and life lessons. We got some how to take care of yourself so you won't get burned out. Chris shares how he organizes his time and plans his time and so many gold nuggets in one episode. You are going to love it. So here we go. Without further ado, let's begin. Everybody, before we begin, this episode is sponsored by you guys. <laughs> so just want to say, we don't have any sponsors yet. We might bring them on later, but this show is growing and we need your help in growing it. So there's two ways of really, really helping. One, sharing with others. If you know any more entrepreneurial fathers that need to listen to this, please share this with them. Just send them a message. Click the share on whatever you're listening, Spotify, Audible, wherever you are. Click the share icon and share it with someone over WhatsApp, over Messenger, over message, just like send them this episode so they can listen and tune in and we can make sure that this podcast grows. The second way is by rating us. We would love a rating on either iTunes or Audible. This would mean a ton to me personally and the growth of this podcast because the more ratings we have, the more exposure this podcast gets. That's really, really simple. So it's the only way for you guys to say thanks and I would love for you guys to also let me know that you're here and you're getting value. So enjoy this episode. This is an amazing episode with Chris Ducker, everybody. Let's begin. All right, everybody. What's up? Welcome to the Commit First podcast. This is episode 101. Now, there's a special, uh, like, there's something special about this interview in a couple of ways. One, you guys probably heard the previous episode where I announced that I am uh, moving away from what I did up until now, kind of just shifting or even niching down on entrepreneurial fathers. And one of the main reasons that this happened or that like I can say that one of the main people that helped me uh, kind of drill down on this and, and, and get clarity is the guest that I have here today, which is Chris Ducker. So Chris, first of all, bro, great to have you on, man. Thank you so much for coming and, and giving time for this. It's great to be here. I'm excited to sit and chat and hang out with you. Definitely. Um, I'm me too. And like you see, I'm stuttering, so it's great. That means I'm excited. <laughs> um, but guys, if you if you've been living under a rock, uh, then uh, I'll just introduce you. Chris Ducker is the uh, founder of Upreneur, which is uh, he's like the number one personal brand guru. Uh, if I, I mean that's the way I refer to you, man. So uh, you're, you're the number one person like in in, in helping people build their personal brands. Uh, you have a methodology that's so human and so yet scalable. And um, and Chris Tucker has put together um, like an amazing methodology behind how do you actually build a personal brand and why you should do that. Uh, he has two great books about it: Rise of the Upreneur. And also uh, virtual freedom, which is kind of connected to a previous business, which is an actual business of, that you own, which is virtual staff finder, um, which uh, also helps you find the aid for anything you need. So basically like, uh, so, so you, Chris, you own like a, a huge company in the Philippines, uh, uh, finding VAs for, for different entrepreneurs. Um, and you've been running that um, since the early 2000s um, and kind of, right. Yeah. Well, so we, so we started our company in 2004, um, which has always been, well, when, when we opened the doors, it was more focused on sales and marketing training for corporations. And after a few years, you know, the market in the Philippines for that is quite small. Yeah. Not every company has the budget for that sort of type of stuff. And right. so we kind of worked with all the big 
brands, the big companies, um, and then kind of exhausted the market for ourselves, unfortunately. Um, so we pivoted a little bit and I had a lot of contacts in the BPO, uh, which is the business process outsourcing industry over there. Um, a lot of contacts stateside as well. And I think, you know, honestly, because of my background in, you know, sales, marketing, telesales, telemarketing, that kind of stuff, it was quite a logical pivot for us to make to go from doing that into like a full-blown call center BPO uh, facility. Um, and so we opened the doors to that in 2008. Um, then in 2010 came Virtual Star Finder. And then in 2015 came Youpreneur. So three businesses in the space of, you know, whatever, 17, 16, 17. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And they're still all operating now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big thing about it. I think one of the things that I uh, look up to you about is the fact that you're able to run multiple businesses simultaneously while being a family man. And uh, I think that's one of the main reasons that this is so big for me that you are here kicking off like episode 101 with us um, because you've been a mentor to me, like, you know, even before we kind of met. Um, and, um, and I remember just like, you know, following you, I met you, like, I, I got to know you through Pat Flynn, obviously. And, and, um, and then because you guys are buddies and, and then like started following you and, and listening to podcasts and, and reading the book, Rise of the Entrepreneur, and he came out and, um, and, you know, I, I don't even remember when, but basically like I signed up. No. So it was a conference. I went to, I said, one day I'm going to fly out to London to your conference, to your preneur, right. to the preneur right. summer. And then I did that 2019, I believe it was right. And then I signed up for the incubator. So, um, I signed up for your mastermind, the, the incubator. Um, and that has been game changing. And since then, like now it's the second year that I'm already on the mastermind and, uh, and looking towards the third year now coming and actually like even upgrading to, to a more personal level. Um, yeah. so one thing that came up for me in all your, all the time, like in your programs is you keep showing up. Like one thing, like you keep showing up, um, you over deliver all the time and you really care. Like you you really, really care. Um, so, you know, I've had a lot of mentors and a lot of different like programs I was in and, you know, none of them was, is like this. So first of all, guys, if you're listening to this, like I'm <laughs> not even affiliated, but Hey, like check out the incubator <laughs> and everything Chris does. Um, I mean, this is uh game changing. And, um, another thing that has struck me is like that you're, you're an amazing family man and you, um, you take care of your health, your family, and you have a happy family. Like, I mean, like everybody is like working, even like you guys are a team, you're working together and you take yeah. holidays, you make sure you got some rest time in there as well. Um, and you, and you take care of your hobbies, like the bonsai trees. Now they got like doing some bonsai tree, I guess I've seen the back. Yeah. The, the bonsai, <laughs> it's kind of funny. The, the bonsai thing came about because of lockdown, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't, couldn't travel. Uh, so I'm like, well, I'm going to have to do something other than, you know, work and, you know, getting beaten up by children in the evenings kind of thing. So, you know, clearly something has to, has to balance things off a little bit. And I was in the bonsai many, many, many years ago um, and had maybe five or six trees, ended up actually moving from the UK to the Philippines in the year 2000 and, you know, kind of went over there on a contract thing. So before I left, I just gave the trees to a guy I knew that was practicing bonsai as well. And then we came back here, we get settled here in the UK, we're in Cambridge, we have a nice property with a decent amount of um, land. And I'm like, well, hey, let's get some, let's get some trees, beginning of the bonsai. So I got two trees. I was like, yeah, this is cool. And I'm wiring and I'm pruning and I'm fertilizing and I'm kind of getting into it. I'm watching some YouTube videos. And here we are now, like a year later, and I have actually now, if you ask me how many trees I've got, I don't know. I've lost count. Oh, really? If you I have like have, a whole backyard of them? Oh, right dude, it's it's getting silly. We're actually, we're going to be converting one part of the property into a full-blown bonsai garden. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have like a water feature and pagodas. Wow. Yeah, all this sort Are of stuff. Are you going to have the, the raking, like, uh, the, yeah, like the Zen yeah. garden kind of thing going yeah. on? We're going to do all of that. We're going to wow. do all that. It's going to be great. So, um, yeah, I don't know how many trees I've got now. Uh, maybe 20, 25 trees, something like that. That's crazy. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, you know, but, but also the family's got 
and involved with it as well. I mean, Cassandra is quite young. She's only four. So she likes to help out with the watering. You know, that's the easy part. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Charles is about to turn 13. So um, I actually bought him a couple of Chinese juniper starter trees. Uh, they're about 50 bucks each. And we sat out one afternoon in the summer holidays and, and I had some stuff I was doing and he had his trees and I showed him how to prune and how to select the branches and taught him how to wire and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the afternoon, he had two great looking bonsai trees. And it was like, nice. this is actually really cool. Proud that. I said, well, you know what? Like, you know, 40, 50 years, hell, who knows with the science nowadays, maybe 60, 70 years from now when I'm done, uh, they're all yours. If we don't kill them between now and then, they can all be yours. They can, they can last <laughs> yeah. that much, bonsai trees? Oh, dude, there are some trees that are five, six, seven, eight hundred years old. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty and in crazy. Japan specifically, they're passed down through generations in families. So wow. you know, it, you, you'll, it'll go from father to son to grandson to, you know, mm. over, over many, many generations. It's a big thing. It's a bit like watches, you know, like yeah. all, all, all of my, all of my children have, have got a watch. Uh, they've all got a Rolex when, when I'm done. Uh, I've got four <laughs> Rolexes and yeah. they've all, they've all decided which one they're going to get <laughs> already. Yeah. <laughs> they're not planning on you being gone, but you know, when. No, no, no. <laughs> they got to watch it. Yeah. yeah. They're not counting the days or anything like that, but you know, they, they know they're going to get a few nice things. That's awesome. Um, and so, you know, this whole family thing that you bring to the table, I think it's game changing. That, um, and one other thing is happiness. Um, yeah. But it, it all comes together. Eventually, you take care of your happiness while being an entrepreneur. I know this started from a story about burnout. Like a, a, you have this, uh, you got to the hospital uh, because of burnout. You didn't know what you had, right? Uh, can you tell the story, like, you know, just very briefly? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'll condense it down. It, you know, it was 2009. We had been building our call center business at that point for almost three years. Uh, we had about 120 or so employees at that time. We had just celebrated our first million dollar year in revenue. Wow. Um, so everything like outside looking in, everything was great. Uh, but I was personally a wreck. I was a physical wreck. I was a mental wreck. I was a spiritual wreck. Like I was all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, one morning I woke up and I physically just didn't even have the energy to get out of bed. And all of these years of, you know, working those 14, 15 hour, 16 hour days, even over the weekends, most weekends I'd be in for at least one of the two days over the weekend mm -hmm. into the office. They all caught up. I burned out. We called our, our uh, corporate or family, uh, corporate slash family doctor over. And um, he said, I got to get you to hospital, man. We need to do some tests and figure out what's going on here. I'd lost a whole bunch of weight and just generally, I just, I wasn't in great shape at all. So they did a load of blood work and a load of other tests and stuff like that. And basically I had acute exhaustion, acute dehydration, and I was fundamentally, uh, diagnosed as, you know, on the, on the spectrum for depression as well, anxiety. Yeah. And so medication, time in hospital, IV, liquids, et cetera. About a week we get out. After about a week, I go home and I rest. And that's when, you know, myself and my wife both, both said, like, this can't continue. Uh, we need to do something to make sure this doesn't happen again. You're, in, you're too important to not just us, but for everybody that works for us and, and all the rest of it. And so um, that began the virtual CEO mission of 2010. And yeah, by the end of 2010, I had basically removed myself day to day from the business. Um, and we hired eight people to replace me that year. That's how many hats I was wearing. Wow. So it's a full-blown type A micromanaging entrepreneur burnout story. Uh, lucky wow. for me, it had, a, it had a happy ending. Wow. And... I think a lot of people listening to the show right now and hopefully like also the people that will come later with this tweak towards entrepreneurial fathers, like, you know, we have a lot on our, on our plate, right? We have to provide like most mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's all the responsibility. You were a father by then already. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, 
three three kids at that point. Um, oh wow! And Cassandra came along, you know, uh, Later. a few yeah. years back. Um, and the and the big thing for me was that when I look at when I look at what I do as a dad, it's it's more than just providing. It's also being the role model, right? Right. right, for my children as well as the other people like yourself that I mentor and lead and stuff like that. So, obviously, family first priorities are what they are, and you know, every single day when I do the school run in the morning, my wife does the one in the afternoons. So every single day when I drop Charlie off at school, as he's getting out of the car, we do a little pound it scenario with the fists, and then. I say to him, hey, have a great day and be great today. And I say it every single morning. And I've said it every single morning as he's gone to school for probably about five years or so. At first, he probably he probably went right over his head. But over the last year or two, I've asked him when he gets back from school, what did you do to be great today? Hmm. So, oh, you know, I, I sat with a friend who was feeling down at lunch or, you know, I I did my homework at lunchtime, so I didn't have to do it at home. You know, that kind of stuff, right? Oh, yeah. um, and that's stuff that really motivates me now. And they say that, you know, the the father for, for girls, I have two girls, two boys, and for girls is, I think it's every every girl's, every little girl's first love and every little boy's first hero or something along those lines, being a dad. And um, that's what I want to be, man. I yeah. want to be the first love and the first hero. So we gotta, we gotta step up. We gotta look after ourselves, and yeah. we need to do what we need to do to, to do just that. Yeah, man. And and like delegating is a big part of it, right? Like as a business owner. <laughs> yeah. So a huge part of it. Yeah. So that's why um, you know you delegate like eight, eight. You hired eight or people to already like replace you then. Um, I guess a lot of people are asking themselves right now, hmm, I wonder like, what can I delegate? Um, so I'll just throw that really quickly. Uh, you have an, an, a great, uh, um, a great exercise that you share in virtual freedom. And also we did it yesterday in a mastermind event. Yesterday was a incubator elite mastermind event where we made three, like we just took a piece of paper. We made like three columns and write down one, what do you hate doing? Take a few minutes, do that. Then in the second column, write what you can't do. Write that down. And the third one, what you shouldn't do. But basically, I'm just saying that right now, you guys should reach out. And is there like a video specifically about this or should they read? There is, yeah. If you type in three lists to freedom uh, Mm. on on YouTube, you'll find one of my videos from years ago. I've been talking about this for years, dude. I mean, it was in, like you said, you know, you, you mentioned that it's in, Virtual Freedom. That book came out April 2014, and that is uh, that is fundamentally the exercise I did at the end of 2009 to recover from the burnout, yeah. and I still do it now religiously. Like it's on my calendar twice a year, every six wow. months. Nice. So uh, we tend to do it around end of uh, around the beginning rather of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So we're actually doing it next week for our business. Um, and then we will do it usually again around the beginning of the second quarter. So April or May, that kind of type of thing. And it's just, it's just important because we all slip back into bad habits. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah. I think it's important that, you know, when, when you say what, well, you know, I shouldn't, for example, I shouldn't be editing my YouTube videos. When you say that, and then six months later, if you slipped back into editing your YouTube videos, that's wrong yeah. because nothing's changed. If anything, actually, you're even more further along as an entrepreneur in terms of growth journey. Right. And there's just another reason why you shouldn't be editing your YouTube videos, right? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, we all slip into those bad habits and it's, it's, it's important to go back and look at what we do, which is why, yeah. like you said, we did it yesterday. Right. Uh, and, you know, right. everybody on that call yesterday is crushing it. They're all making lots of money. They're all doing really well in their business. However, I guarantee you that there was several moments through doing that exercise yesterday with those folks where everybody said to themselves, oh, I can't even believe I'm writing this thing down. <laughs> but it's so true. Right. And now hopefully yeah. y'all will go away and start delegating it, right? And getting yeah. off your plates. Yeah, man, I... You know, yeah, I did it yesterday and I, I don't know how you, you do it. And then when you cross off, like, because you probably write down already what you hate doing, but some of those things you already delegated, right? Yep. Or, yep. Um, so I wrote this here. This is from yesterday. 
and I put this everything down here on, on this note. And, uh, and you see, like I, I marked what I think right now I should get like yesterday, like, like yesterday. So, uh, and then I, I marked in red, what I already delegated. These things were not like two years before when I started, you know, uh, your, your mastermind, they were not there, like most of them. Um, but as definitely, I think your voice is kind of getting to me, which is good. (laughs) Um, and I'm just looking, I'm like, wow, I'm delegating so much things already. I already put so much, like such a team together. I have a WordPress developer. I have like video editing. I have a content writer doing my show notes and everything and, and content. I have someone to do my cash flow for me, uh, accountant, but I have different, someone from cash flow for cash flow, um, and stuff like that. Um, so we go over it every like two weeks. Um, and like, there's so many things here I'm looking and I'm like, wow, I already kind of like outsourced that. Um, also design, like I'm most of the things in design I already outsourced. I don't do design myself. Um, I, I did fall into the IG carousel. I got, <laughs> I got to admit, I, I fell into it just to test Canva out. I was like, I gotta, I gotta see if Canva works for it. Instagram carousels. <laughs> um, because I said, one day I want to delegate that to, and when I delegate that to someone who does Instagram carousels, probably they're doing it in Canva. So right. when they do that, I can jump in real quick and change copies. So I did that only for that, only to kind of like see that I can, I can and, do and you it. Know what? Here's the thing, like there are several things that you've mentioned there that somebody at your level with the aspirations that you've got, with the responsibilities that you already have under your belt, as well as all the things you want to do your incredible audience and, and these dadpreneurs out there that are gonna gonna become part of your community in one way or another over the next you know three four five years you can't be doing all that stuff and take care of your own business and serve that audience and that community the way I know you want to serve them yeah. and so it's it's just smart it's just smart and I always say that you don't know what you don't know. So if there are certain things that you struggle with or certain things that you just hate doing or things that you, when you look at it and you say, ah, oh, man, I, I, I could learn how to do it, but should I, be, as, the, as the head honcho, should I be doing that? No. Well, then let's get someone in who does know how to do it and then right. make it happen. Get a positive ROI on that. Right. And I can carry on doing what I do best, staying in my, my zone of genius. Right. And do you think like, I'm just, pointing it out because I was in a position and I get a lot, I guess a lot of people right now, like, um, just to set, set like the, um, the scale level, right. You're at a multiple seven figures, uh, probably close to eight figures. I kind of like, uh, or like revenue operation. I'm a high end of six figures operation. Um, but I guess a lot of people here are kind of like on the five figure or even close to five figure operation a, um, a month. And they're asking, how can I delegate if I barely have uh, the, the money to provide to my family? What would you say to them? <laughs> you, you, if you're at five figures a month, you know, if you're making 10 grand a month plus, um, you, you worked way harder to get to 10K a month than you need to work to get to 20K a month or 30K a month. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you worked harder up to this point than you will do or that you should do to get up to the next point. There's no doubt in my mind about it because I've seen it mm-hmm. over and over and over again. The only difference between where you are now and where you want to be in terms of that timeline is going to be whether you carry on doing it all yourself or whether you're going to actually genuinely start delegating and building a team of people around you. Um, and, and you talk to anyone who's built a successful business, unless they're a complete egomaniac, they are all going to say that the biggest ingredient in in creating that successful company or that successful brand or business or entity was hiring incredible people to help right. them fast track the growth. And that's right. what you need to do. So if you're making five figures, if you're making 10 grand a a month already right now, and you're not building your team, you are fundamentally doing so at your own growth and financial peril, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You could, like I said, you will go to 20, to 30, to 50, to 100, much faster than you did getting up to 10K a month, if you do it with the right team around you. Yeah. And sometimes 
here's another thing I'm throwing at you. Sometimes the right team, like I know this like notion of I need to hire better people than me. You know, um, as a designer, you know, it's kind of hard for me to do that in a way. I'm, I feel that I'm trying to get people that have slicker designs than me or like, you know, pixel perfect designs. Um, but you know, right now, so my next role that I need to hire is like an art director, like someone to really replace me, like in the art direction product, Mm -hmm. those people cost a lot of money. Like this is like a lot of money. And, um, and they need a lot of years of experience. So I can't really like, unless I take a couple more years like this, then growing someone out of my team, I can't really, I I just need to get to someone. Um, They have massive opportunities out there, like Facebook, Google, like they're working at big startups, getting paid a lot of money. Um, so, so yeah, it's kind of, it's, in a way it's hard to find, um, but finding it is one thing, let's say we manifest it, but, but yeah, I would have to pay them a lot of money. So are you saying like, um, in order to grow the business, yeah, you have to take those risks and like just pay someone sometimes like, which will come at the cost of your own growth in a way? To a certain degree, yeah. I mean, like every single hire we make is a risk. Some of those risks can and should be more calculated than others, obviously, right? Yeah. But every single time we we hire somebody, it's a risk. Uh, mm-hmm. When we hire somebody to do our accounting for us, um, we need to know that they're not going to try and steal our money or siphon <laughs> our money or screw our books up so we end up right. paying more tax and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Likewise, right. when we hire, you know, somebody you – know, we hire a personal trainer. You got a personal trainer, I know. I've worked with them in the past. I don't anymore, but I've worked with them in the past. We're, I mean, we're fundamentally putting our bodies in their hands, right? Yeah. One of the first things a PT will ask you when you hire them is, "Do you have any injuries? Do you have any, you know, anything you're concerned about physically?" Because if they don't ask that question and they right. put you through a rigorous, you know, exercise routine. And you're aggravating an old injury, like a back injury or a knee injury or something like that, it's going to do more harm than good. In your position, when you're hiring an art director, the reason why you're looking to do that is because you become the bottleneck in your business. You have to sign off every single client project. And that takes a lot of time. If you want to grow your business properly, you've got to scale your client book, which means you've got to bring new clients on consistently. The more clients you bring on, the more jobs you're going to have to sign off, right? Yeah. yeah. But but if you've got an art director that comes in, that all he does, the only thing he does in your entire business is focus on signing off projects, running them properly, working with the design team, making sure that timelines and budgets are here, et cetera, et cetera. If that's the only thing that that person is doing, you can spend more time on getting more customers into the business and right. working with your marketing team. And we're talking just that business right now. We're not even talking about commit first and the other things that you're doing as oh, well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, by, yeah. by not, by, by removing yourself as a bottleneck, um, it, it will be a growth opportunity for you. How quickly you get there will obviously depend on a, that type of person that you hire and B, how, how quickly you can ultimately bring in more business to pay for that particular salary that you might have to shell out to get somebody really great. The yeah. only other option for you and other people you know, watching or listening this that, that, that you potentially have at this point in the game is to look at your internal team right now. And is there somebody there who could potentially do this, say, 12 months from now? If there is, they need to start shadowing you when you're doing that particular role within the business. They need to see what you do, the questions you ask, the feedback you require in order to sign off on an actual deal being completed and that project being delivered to the client. They need to see everything you do and maybe six, eight, 12 months down the line, then you can step away and let them step into those shoes. That's your two options. One of them is almost immediate as soon as you find somebody. The other one takes a little bit of time to get there. But the solution is there, and you know it yourself. You can't continue to do it, so you have to bring somebody in to do it in one way, shape, or form sooner or later. Yeah, definitely. So I guess it's like scaling down to people that are making like only 10K. Same thing, like some people might, you know, hiring a video editor might cost you like 
you know, 1500, uh, if, if you're hiring someone good from the Philippines, maybe like that would be 1500, uh, or something like that a month. But yeah. Still. But if that person is creating say two videos for you on a weekly basis, you've got yeah. eight videos going out on YouTube every single month. You only need one person to see one of those eight videos to sign up for your program. And you've made your money back on that salary. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Definitely. And, um, I just want to bring it now, like take it a bit to the, uh, to the personal, so we we talked a bit about delegation. I think it goes a long way. Um, again, the like what we what you and I kind of like set for. Um, the, so we everybody should you should know. Like Chris helped me with the tagline. He basically like um, it, it was in a two hour session where we kind of like came up with a tagline for commit first, and um, and the tagline is basically like what we want to do is we want to help entrepreneurial fathers focus on their personal growth financial freedom and build an impactful legacy they can be proud of. So I think we talked about the um, kind of like the, the entrepreneurial father kind of thing, right? We're, we're so busy with our family, with our businesses, like delegation is a major part of it. I'm 100% sure. Um, and there's, there's this thing about, um, I do want to talk about like, like the personal growth part, the financial freedom part, the legacy. Like I think just, just one thing is like personal brand personal branding is something that you're obviously that's what you uh what you do what you did for yourself and then what you now teach um in a way we have personal brands in our families already right whenever you're you're already a father boom you have a personal brand in your family uh people look up to you you have to lead you have to show up um and um one of the things that I struggled with at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey is saying I want to have a personal brand I want to make an impact out there, but it's bigger than my family. How do you tackle that? Well, I think what it comes down to, you know, this old kind of like adage of like, I want to get work-life balance, right? Yeah. Everybody talks about getting work-life balance. And honestly, I think it's a myth. Mm -hmm. I think it's a total myth. The idea of work-life balance as an entrepreneurial father, particularly, it's a myth because your personal life and your business life will always interchange with each other. There'll always be things in the middle of the day that pop up that, that are family related that you need to take care of and vice versa, right? You could be in the middle of, of a conference and your wife calls you yeah. There's family. Yeah. You could be at home having dinner and somebody calls you from the office and there's an emergency. Yeah. So what it really comes down to is not work-life balance, but work-life priorities. That's the way I look at them. So my family's number one priority after me. This is the yeah, big one. Yeah. This is the biggest one of all. If we're not in good shape, and I'm not necessarily meaning, you know, muscles and fitness and whatnot, yeah. although that is obviously very important, but if we're not in good shape mentally, financially, physically, you know, spiritually, if we're yeah. not in good shape like that, we can't keep our priority number two or number one of our kids and right. our wives, right? And, right? and our partners. So number one is to make sure that we're good and that yeah. we're taking care of things. And then number two is to make sure that the family's taken care of as well. And the big thing for me is that everything that I do business-wise has to have an effect on what goes on in my life and vice versa. So to quantify it really, really, really well, it is that for me personally, at this season of my life, and it wasn't always like this because I burnt out, but at this season in my life, how I make my money is way more important today than how much money I make. Mm. That. And that is something that is like just... It's just yeah. ingrained in me every single day, right? Yeah. Like I, I can't help but think about it. Do I want to make money? Yes. Do I like making money? Heck yes. But I want to do it with a certain number of rules. Number one, like if I'm not having fun doing it, I'm not going to do it. It's really that simple. Yeah. Number two, if I'm not working with cool people to get me and what I'm all about, then I'm not going to do it because yeah. what's the point? I'm just wasting my time, right? Yeah. Um, as a mentor and a coach, the worst thing that you can do is give somebody advice after they've asked for it based on your experience because they're coming to you for that very reason. And then they do absolutely nothing. That drives me 
absolutely <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. It drives me nuts. Yeah. And so I think, you know, all of these things, all of these things are ingrained together. And that work-life balance thing is a myth. I think it just comes down to priorities at the end of the day. And right. my priority is to make sure that, you know, I provide for the family, but also have a good time doing what I'm doing as an entrepreneur, because otherwise I'm just wasting my life away at the end of the day. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, do you think there's like stages? Um, the, the thing I'm wondering is this, I think I'm looking at you. I'm like, oh my God, like, but, but I bet, I bet a lot of people are, are saying, well, Chris can choose. Like, it doesn't matter. Like for Chris making less money, it's still seven figures. Um, <laughs> right. And, and, and now everything comes to you. It's way easier. You're like on a higher level of the frequency. Sure. And, yeah. and, and I would say I'm kind of like in the middle where, um, where, yeah, I'm, I, I'm in a position now, like also financially, also like I, I'm in a position to right now also kind of make those decisions. I can't say I'm 100% good with them yet. I Sometimes I take clients that are a great opportunity, but will not be the ideal clients I want to work with. Um, the people are great. It's just like, for instance, like cybersecurity people in my like uh, projects in my agency. I'm not a fan of cybersecurity. I'm just like, I don't have any emotional connection to it. But I will take that because that's most of the Israeli startups out there, you know? So I will take cybersecurity, fine, you know, like, it's not specifically my in point of interest, but maybe I shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm playing with that. Thought. I think you are, you're at a very exciting part of your journey right now. Um, and you, you're kind of at where I was around about 10 years or so ago, where you've got money coming in, you've got a young family that's growing. You've obviously got responsibilities and that needs to be prioritized without a shadow of a doubt, but also you've got these other tendencies going around you know, bumping up against the inside of your skull. Like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I gotta. Mm -hmm. It's exciting as heck. Right. Yeah. But I also, what I admire quite a lot about you is the fact that, you know, you can't do it all at once. And you also are very aware of the fact that you can't please all the people all the time. And so, you know, I often say this to my, to my son, Charlie, like when he wants to have a little bit of screen time, you know, he'll, Sometimes he comes at the wrong time, like his mum's in the middle of doing something or I'm in the middle of, can I, can I play my iPad or can I do the PlayStation? You know, and we say, no, you know, later, later. And they go, oh, you know, you know what kids are like, right? But I say to him all the yeah. time, all the time I say to him, dude, you got to learn how to pick your shots. You got to learn how to pick your shots. You got to hold, hold back a little bit. Wait until you see us not in the middle of something. Wait until you see us a little bit chilled. Maybe I'm sitting on the, on the lazy boy with a, you know, with a cup of tea in my hand. It's not like learn to take your shots properly. Okay. Okay. And you know what? Slowly, but surely he's getting there, man. Slowly, but surely he's getting there. So awesome. like you, you're learning how to take your shots at the right time as well. What you should not be doing. And this is not just you, but everybody, you know, that's going to hear this, you cannot, and you should not be comparing your 10th step, for example, to my 70th or my 80th step. That's a killer. Yeah. I saw that post on Instagram, by the way. That's a great post. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's a killer, man. It's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like people looking at Gary Vaynerchuk and saying, oh, man, I wish I had 5 million followers on Twitter or whatever yeah. he's got, right? And yeah. Gary's an anomaly. You know, there's one Gary V in the entire world. There will never be anybody like Gary again. And so you, you've got to, you've got to understand that and, and you're on your own journey and you've got to stay true to who you are and what you want to do and the reasons behind why you're doing it. And right. uh, don't try and be somebody else. Like, as Gary says, like, do you be you. Um, right. I respect that a lot about you and a lot of other folks that I coach as well, because they're doing exactly that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And so here's, here's, I guess like kind of like my, my thing um, to put out there to anybody who's like right now also struggling financially, trying to get everything like together. Like how can I delegate so much money? And, you know, I can't really pick my clients at this moment. I have to provide and everything. So two things I want to say about this. One, like the re one thing I discovered, like the epiphany I had is like when I did 75 hard last year, 
which is like this mental toughness challenge, but you three hours out of the day, you basically work on the challenge. <laughs> like you, right. It's like you do exercises, you read the book. Yeah. Like you do things, things for yourself. That's a challenge, this program. So you have to do it every, every day for 75 days. And I actually broke a couple of times. Like I, I, I um, fell off it because I forgot to take a selfie, which was one of the requirements. And I had to go back to day one. So basically I was six months doing 75 hard instead of just two and a half months, but six <laughs> months, just like with no breaks. Um, right. And, and what I learned is the thing that was just mind blowing for me at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, three hours out of the day with all my responsibilities, I'm actually not working on my business. Like I'm not, I'm not pushing my business. And this was COVID times as well. Like COVID just hit and everything. I was like, oh my God, is this going to kill my business right now? And I was losing clients just to, and I was like a, a bit shaking, but I was, I kept at it. So three hours every day. And what I discovered is at the end, my business was, my business was in the best shape ever of my life. Mm-hmm. I was feeling the best, the most energetic, like everything was just blooming in my life and I work less. So that's why I, um, about six months ago is what I did when I, uh, again, prioritize exactly like you said, I prioritize myself first, my mental health, my physical health. That's why I started my nine to 12 club. That's what I call it. Where from 9am to 12 noon, I'm not, I'm not working. I'm just doing either physical exercise or meditating or anything like that. Um, so so I'm saying, and, and again, once I started doing that again, everything in my life kind of started blooming and, you know, I'm more energetic. My relationship with my wife is in the best like place it was. I'm just like, I think it's like radiating. Right. Um, and so to anybody out there, five figures or less or whatever, like you guys just focus on you and build your character and do you like exactly what you said, Chris. So I think mm-hmm. like that's a big, big thing. And I can testify for that because it's working for me right now. Um, one great book recommendation, the unshakable, how to cultivate an unshakable character by Jim Rohn. And you have a Bruce Lee book. Oh yeah, dude. I got a lot of Bruce Lee books. <laughs> Bruce has been, he's, he's right over my shoulder here on my, on my fridge. If you're you watching go. the video, that's, there's only 1000 of those little statues in the you entire world. And I was able to get nice. one. Of them. Um, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little like that. Uh, yeah, you know, Br- Bruce, ever since, I, I discovered Bruce Lee when I was 12 years old. It was the middle of the summer holidays and I was around one of my friend's place and uh, he put on this movie called Enter the Dragon. And um, man, I was just transfixed. I was transfixed to the screen for the entire film. Never heard of Bruce before. Obviously, I heard of like, you know, Kung Fu and karate and stuff. Judo is big here in the UK. And, um, but never studied any martial art or anything like that. And then felt, you know, fell in love with Bruce. I actually joined that, or rather I borrowed that that VHS cassette uh, off my friend that summer and wore the tape out. I watched the movie so many times. I had to buy him another copy of the movie because I ruined the, the cassette. Um, and I went back to school that September and my math teacher, um, was actually like a, like a fourth degree black belt in Aikido or something. And we were talking and he was like, well, if you want to, you know, train once or twice a week, you know, I, you know, I've got a school and blah, blah, blah. So I joined an Aikido club and did Aikido, um, for about four years. Um, and then was kind of introduced to like London's Chinatown and ended up studying Wing Chun for about seven, eight years. I didn't know you studied Wing Chun for like seven, eight years. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. We were, I, I worked on the wooden dummies and the sticky nice. hands and all that good stuff. Yeah. Back in the nice. day, dude, back in the day. Um, <laughs> what but happens now if you try to break a brick now with like. You're <laughs> with the one inch punch thing yeah. going on. Yeah. You're, yeah. But you're kicking some major league ass with your, with your Muay Thai and your kickboxing and everything right now. But yeah, Bruce was Bruce actually though on a very serious note, martial arts to one side. What I loved about Bruce the most was actually his mind. He was a mm. very, very deep philosopher. And all of his books are incredibly deep. Yes, they're around, you know, human conditioning and the physical presence of, of a human and you know what we should and what we shouldn't do and going beyond limits and all this kind of stuff. But his philosophical stuff is the best stuff for me. And there's there's two books that are really, really good when it comes to this stuff. And they're all of his own journals, his own notes. One of them is Striking Thoughts. 
um, which I think I recommended to you. Yeah. Um, And there's another one, Words of the Dragon, which is a little commercial, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's still a great book. But there's there's a whole bunch of incredible books by Bruce um, and other, you know, people associated with, you know, JKD or Jeet Kune Do, which is his, his mm-hmm. quote unquote style of no styles in martial arts and everything. So yeah. he, uh, he's been a massive, massive influence in my life. And this yeah. really him and Zig Ziglar, they're the two guys mm. who I've listened to more so than anybody else. And Zig particularly, I don't think there's a month that goes by where I don't watch a Zig video really? or listen to a Zig tape or, or, or you know, it's great. actually, one of my coolest gifts that I've ever received from a client ever, and I've received some great gifts. One of the coolest gifts ever was actually an original vinyl, a record recording of one of Zig's um, seminars from back in like wow. the 60s or something. Wow. And it's actually signed by Zig. The sleeve is actually signed by Zig. Yeah. You got some assets in this house over there. <laughs> got a few. We got a few. Yeah. Besides the bonsai. <laughs> you know, that you can yeah. start selling already. <laughs> but yeah, the bonsai collection is probably worth uh, a fair amount now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, there's another seven others. figures over there. <laughs> no, no, I don't think not quite that, but um, you know, it's, it's good stuff, yeah. but all this stuff is important. And, you know, yeah. you know you, I know that one of your big things is, you know, personal development and, you know, all of that, right? Like the mindset, yeah the financial stuff, the physical stuff, the spiritual stuff, it's all included and it all makes us who we are. And, you know, whether you're reading books by Bruce or you're listening to tapes by Zig Ziglar or you're out in nature sitting there with, you know, a Japanese white pine pinching needles (laughs) out of the brain, whatever it is that you do to be the best version of you, you should, you should go 75 hard into that, whatever yeah. it is, right? And it yeah. needs to be a combination of understanding your responsibilities and, and delivering on them, as well as understanding what you need in your life personally as well. Right. Uh, and that goes beyond just, you know, keeping fit and healthy and not eating too much pizza. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that genuinely is, it's it's a personal thing. And you and I and other content creators can suggest what people do. Um but ultimately, a lot of the stuff is very, very personal to us. So we yeah. need to look inside our, ourselves and see and see what really works for us. As Bruce used to say, absorb what is useful and yeah. push away the stuff that is not. Definitely. And, and Bruce was also like a generalist. He was like, mm-hmm. especially like martial arts life, everything is like, you should know, like you should work in all the areas of, of your life or your art or anything like that. And you should not consider yourself to be great at one thing because if you're great at one thing you're failing at you know the rest so his his personal library of books was everything from western boxing all the way through to you know japanese you know martial arts uh taekwondo korean you know all this stuff even though he his roots was in obviously wing chun uh and chinese boxing right uh gong fu he, he, he took everything that he could get from everyone. Uh, and there's this great story actually where uh, he and James Coburn, who was a big actor in the US through kind of the 60s or 70s and the 80s. Um, and he and Bruce are actually on an airplane and they're on the way to a location for a, uh, the do- location scouting for a project they were potentially going to work on. And Bruce has got like this leather kind of mitt that he's holding in one hand and all the way on this flight he's just working on this one inch punch <laughs> and he's sitting next to james and james is sitting there he goes bruce you're driving me nuts with this thing you know like will you just stop and bruce is like let me just get two three four more you know just going like that's the kind of thing man like do what you need to do i love stories like that yeah it's awesome and um so we're cl- we're close to wrapping things up um before I get to the last part that I want to talk to you about, um, which is the vision and, and, and stuff like that for your life, because I think that is connected to legacy and everything that we do. Um, I want to just mention the second thing that I would say based off of what you kind of like was saying, like 
if you right now again are on the low ends of the spectrum, like in terms of uh, revenue, um, and you're taking on some jobs that um, that you you feel you have to in order to provide, then it's okay as well. Like I remember someone was yesterday on the call with you, like in the in the elite, like great guy doing very well but he said okay i needed to take this project this consulting project right because i you know i feel responsible for taking care of my family and everything as a father like you know and and um and he said yeah you got to do what you got to do like 100 right so definitely don't 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 feel hard if you have to take projects that you know and but just be proud of it you know just take you know uh, take responsibility. That's and quite life, frankly, right? yeah, be be proud of the fact that you're stepping up and taking responsi- responsibility, but also be thankful that you're getting the opportunity to do that as well, particularly yeah. at the moment with so much uncertainty, you know, in the world right now. It's 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 kind of crazy, right? And yeah. and you know, I'm just a big believer that every now and then, if it happens too much, you need to question it. But every now and then you might have to take one step back in order to be able to take two or three forward in the near future. Uh, and I've had to do it before in the past, without a doubt. Um, I haven't had to do it for a long time, luckily. Um, but that's because of all of the lessons that I've learned through the years. Um, and I don't know, man, like I, I just, I'm just a big believer of being like super thankful for opportunities when they come your way as well. They might not always align entirely what your idea of impact and legacy and everything is at that point in your life, but also at that point in your life, you might need to just step the heck up and take care of business. And if you need to do that, then you need to do it. There's always going to be another day for you to refocus, you know? Right, right, definitely. And um, and then yeah, you'll feel great afterwards if you did that responsible thing, right? Sure. And um, yeah, I had many rough periods in the past couple of years, you know, coming up as an entrepreneur. So I can definitely, I remember each and every one of them where I had to kind of like save the business and go and get a client for, you know, and, um, one thing my, my first coach told me, um, he told me if you say, Oh my God, I have to do this today. Just switch it to, I get to do this today. And that way. It's a big one. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. And um, we, you know, we most, we almost went bankrupt six months into our business. I remember logging into our online banking and realizing that we only had two more payroll periods covered financially. And I think at the time we had about 30 members of staff and I walked out of my office and I said to everybody, I need to send you all home. You got to give me two weeks. Um, If you need to get another job, I get it, but give me two weeks. I can't pay you, but you got to give me two weeks and um, hopefully I'll be able to save this thing. And I did what I needed to do in the Philippines. I was in the Philippines and I knew my client base was in America. So I was working from around 11 o'clock at night through to around six in the morning every single day for two, three weeks. You know what I was doing, dude? Cold calling. Mm. I didn't even have warm leads. I was going through the internet, finding everything from printing companies to education companies to internet companies, you you name it. It didn't matter what it was. If you had a product or service that we could potentially either answer the phone for, generate leads for, or set up appointments for, I was calling and I was just pitching our services over and over. So I was making like 200 dials a day, literally. Talk about doing what we need to do, right? This was this wasn't oh. that long ago. We're talking like two thousand mid mid two thousand eight here, right? Yeah. So just got to do what you got. We saved it. We got a whole bunch of of people out of the thirty or whatever people that that we needed to kind of put on hold for. For I think it ended up being like three weeks. Um, almost all of them came back, luckily, yeah. and uh, we hit the ground running. And you know, six six months after that, we were at like eighty staff. Wow. So you, you got to do what you got to do sometimes, yeah. you know, you might yeah. not want to, but you just got to suck it up every now and then. Yeah. And it's also kind of like, wow, it's like crazy what life had planned for you, Chris. Like, I mean, watching, like, I think every one of us is kind of like on the journey and we got to be patient and we got to work our, but I think if we show up, life will treat us fair in a way, you know? Well, what I can guarantee you is that if you show up, 
you have way, way more opportunity than succeeding than if you don't. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's for sure. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and we haven't even got to the point of manifestation because I remember like there, there's, there's something about thoughts. I remember I told you like one thing that got in my mind is actually in a bad way from Jim Rohn was uh, when he talked about seasons, he's like entrepreneurship is like seasons. You have the summer and you have the winter and uh, you have to, you know, think in the summer, think winter in the winter, think summer. And then that got to me because I was in a summer period. And I, I think I told you that in one of the calls in the mastermind or something like that, I'm like, how do you deal with the winters? Or how do you, I don't know, you told me something along the lines of, dude, I'm just grateful. Um, and I believe that all my business coming in right now is I don't think about winter. I just, I'm just grateful and think everything that I have right now is just my hard, my hard earned work um, and that I deserve it. And um, I just keep in that mindset. And I was like, wow, that's a great way. But I was still kind of thinking winter and then came the winter. I remember this conversation with you now. You were feeling bad about the fact that you were actually starting to make some real money. And you were like, you know, like I'm, I'm making more money than I've ever made. And like, I'm feeling a little bad about it kind of thing. And I'm like, I, <laughs> this is true, man. If you guys like listen to this, this was bang on the conversation. And then I, I think I said to you something along the lines of like, like you got you to gotta stop that right now. Like you are getting exactly what is due to yeah. you right now. Um, don't let it go to your head, but understand that the success that you're having, the money that you're making is purely down to all of the hard work that you've put in thus far. Um, and, you know, this is the big thing, though. A lot of people, when they start seeing this stuff happening, they take their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. And then they get upset at themselves three months, six months down the line when they're not doing so well anymore. And the reason why is because they took their foot off the gas. You got to yeah. you got to keep cruising. You got to, you know, you got to keep that foot on the gas. Yeah, I love to, it. If not, push down a little harder. I love it. Um, so listen, we're at the we're at the point of like the end of the episode. Um, do you have to do you have to go? Or do you have like a two more minutes? I got two more minutes for you. Okay, awesome. I know you're like you you are the one of the p- person that one of the people that show up on time like more than anybody I know. Like you, <laughs> so me being a person who's late to everything, definitely I take inspiration <laughs> from you on that. Um, you were on time for this call. I, I, I was, that. I was, I was actually like saying to my wife, I'm going to wake, I'm going to make it. I'm not going to be late. Not going to be late. And actually I, I had another call before that. I had to take a shower because of that after practice, I was like running like crazy around the house just before this call until I got to here. And I was like, you see me standing, good. but I was running like crazy. You're good, man. You look great. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, and so, so, okay. Last thing, last thing is the vision. So at the end of the day, we all got a we got to have our vision for the future. And um, I wanted to ask you, what are your habits around it? Like, do you take, I don't know, one, I don't know, one day, a, a quarter, like two days a week, I don't know, like Bill Gates a year, like what do you do to create your vision and take that step back in order to, or just that, yeah. There's, there's a couple of things I do. So first and foremost, I don't work Fridays anymore. And I haven't worked Fridays for about six or seven years. Um, going into 2022, it is highly likely that I will no longer be working Thursdays as well. Amazing. So everything I do will be Monday through to Wednesday work-wise. Um, that, that, what I call that white space in my calendar each week allows me to obviously just do what the heck I want to do. Sometimes it's, you know, a, a couple's yoga session. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's going to the movies. Sometimes it's going out and sketching. I like to sketch in yeah. urban environments to relax as well. Or sometimes actually I'll just stay at home and do absolutely nothing. I'll make a whole bunch of popcorn and binge on Netflix. Like <laughs> that white space I think is absolutely relevant to the fact that when then I go to work, I can truly focus in on the work side of things, like go all yeah. in on it for those six hours each day. When it comes to the planning side of things, there's two things I do. First and foremost, we always take a sabbatical around the summer holiday periods. With the kids, it's just so much easier to just say, I'm just not going to work. Instead of trying to juggle, yeah, try to juggle the schedule, forget yeah. about it. So yeah. almost the entire month of August, almost always the entire month of August, it's sabbatical time. In fact, actually, wow. 
This year, we came back at the end of August from a, uh, a vacation that we had here in the UK. And I got back home and I remember it was like the Monday morning that we, I was supposed to start working. And I was like, you know, I really don't, I don't feel like I want to go back to work yet. So <laughs> basically, <laughs> other than like two or three yeah. calls that were on the schedule that I couldn't change, yeah. I basically didn't start work until like the middle of September this year. So I had like a <laughs> six-week break, right? Yeah. Again, wow. the white space, it allows you to decompress, to recalibrate, to clear out that bandwidth. Um, and for me personally, that's where I'll do all my best thinking. That's where I'll do all my best planning. And then the second thing I do is... In December, other than coaching calls, which are only literally like two or three calls anyway, but in December, there's nothing, nothing on my schedule at all. Mm. And the reason why is because mid-October to late October is when we plan for the next year. So we're, you know, literally right after this call ends, I walk out of those two doors behind me and Chloe and Urza are on the other side and we're going to sit down and plan out the entire calendar. 2022 today. Nice. And so the reason why I clear out no, uh, December rather is to look again at the plans for that next year and just kind of reevaluate if I still feel the same way about everything before we hit, you know, the go button on the new year. Uh, nine times out of 10, we do uh, because I'm very, very kind of focused on making sure that nothing goes on the calendar in the first place that I don't want it, uh, that I don't want on there. And, and, you know, mainly because of the fact that, you know, you only get one chance to start a new year and yeah. you have to make sure that you, you kind of hit the ground running. And they're really the two things that I do, that sabbatical and the break in December from pretty much everything, bar yeah. a few calls, is is really what I've done for probably close to, I'd say maybe five, five or six years or so, something like that. Love it, love it. So you plan a year in advance, which is pretty, I guess, Always, if yeah. not a little bit more. I mean, like if you think about it, you know, we, we we plan out the year in October. So we're kind of almost like a year and a quarter ahead yeah. of the game to a certain degree. And there's things that are going on that calendar for 2022 that were already planned six months ago. Yeah. We just didn't put it on the calendar yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, Great. you know, I, I just, it was my, I think it was Michael Hyatt, who said it to me, we were out at lunch one time and he said something to the effect of like, uh, if it doesn't get scheduled, it will never get done. And I'll never forget those words. Like, oh man, that's freaking good. I'm going to take that. And so everything that goes on the calendar gets done. The whole drag and drop thing on the digital calendar. I don't, I don't do that, man. That's, that's not my style at all. And so, uh, yeah, we're really focused on making sure that whatever goes on is what we truly want to do. And then when it is on that calendar, we got to tick those babies off one by one throughout the year. Yeah. And also the goals of like how many people will sign up to what program or how many people will show up to the conference, everything's there. Sure. Oh, all those yeah. KPIs are there, man. I mean, you know, if you don't have those, uh, if you don't have those KPIs in place, then what you're doing is you go in a war with, you know, no clear mission. almost, almost certainly an insufficient amount of, 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 ammunition right like yeah. you don't know what's going to come your way right when yeah when the when the fog dissipates and they can't they start running at you from out of the trees like you don't know so i i really feel like um the kpis are important and we work on those actually on a quarterly basis as well because of the way that the marketing world works advertising open rates emails live events speaking events book launches affiliate deals all that mm -hmm. stuff it changes quite sporadically a lot of the time as well. So yeah. that flexibility is important. Uh, but I, I know where That's I want to be by this time next year. And then what we do is we just reverse engineer it back. And we go all the way back. Like if you want to do, for argument's sake, if you want to make, you know, I don't know, 120K, then you reverse that back to 10K a month. And then you reverse it back to 2.5K a week. And then you reverse it back to 500 bucks each working day. And then you reverse it back to how much is my hour worth, right? You know, yeah, yeah. you got to go all the way back, reverse engineer everything. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So uh, 
Chris, man, I, I'm not going to keep you more, uh, but definitely, I really, really appreciate this conversation. I think there was so many gems dropped here, um, such inspiration and also real clear tips for everybody out there uh, to to now go get it. You know, guys, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Gotta go chase it down. <laughs> Gotta go chase it down if you want it. Definitely. All right. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you, everyone. Um, by the way, uh, Chris, where should people find you? Is it the podcast? Where do you prefer people go to it? Oh, just go to chrisducker.com. Just go to chrisducker.com. Everything is linked over there. All the socials. I'm at Chris Ducker, uh, most active on Instagram, but chrisducker.com is, is, is the place to go. Awesome. And guys, if you got value from this, please take a snapshot right now, wherever you're listening or watching this, take a snapshot, share it on Instagram, tag at Chris Ducker. Uh, you can tag me as well at Sagi Schreiber. So we'll know you got value from this episode. Chris, thank you so much again, brother. And uh, you, man. I got to get you back on again sometime. Definitely. So <laughs> let's do it. All right. 